You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters. How are you guys doing today? That's about it. I I don't know how much more Coyotes. What what do we got today? What are we going to talk about Coyotes today or NHL today? Right? NHL. We're going to talk about we're going to go around the NHL, although I mean. Dylan Gunther. Woo. Can we talk baseball? Playoffs. <laughs> baseball. Can we start with baseball? Why? At Lee Merrill goes to the D-backs game. That sounds like a movie. At Lee Merrill goes to the D-backs. Should be the children's book. <laughs> Leah goes to a baseball game. <laughs> was, it, was it fun? Did you have good food? Um, it was fun. I had nachos. And baseball is more fun when you're watching it with people who are betting on it. And our own Sean DePaz had a lot of, not a lot of money, but he had money on a lot of things, let's just say. And one of those things was an Alec Thomas home run. He'd never had a career home run in the MLB. And he hit his first ever home run yesterday with Sean having money on it. And it was electric. (laughs) Clearly, he gets to be our DraftKings pick of the week picker from now on. Yeah, absolutely. And did you see, lastly, on the baseball, because I don't want to get, did you see what he ate? On Twitter, he ate four hot dogs. There's a deal at the at Chase Field where you can get two dollar. They're value dogs, so they're not full size hot dogs. But he got four of them. And I saw ketchup on the plate in the picture. There was ketchup. I I would be disappointed. And if you zoomed in on the hot dog, there was ketchup on there. I know Craig will be disappointed. I'll have to talk to to Sean in our in our next live show. I tried to Come ignore on. the tweet. I saw Derek retweeted it, or Derek <laughs> tweeted it, actually, and I just uh, I tried to. <laughs> I'm sure he'll get a talking to in the studio. Yeah. <sighs> we'll have a, we'll have a chat at some point. Yeah. One of those fatherly chats from <laughs> an old wiser man. Yes. And, the, and then the game ended with the Marlins scoring eight runs in the ninth inning on two outs. So the mm-hmm. over also hit for Shane and Sean, and that was entertaining as well. Um, so just, it's you like know, the- I did like the crying video. That was good. Pretty <laughs> solid. Yeah, check out PHNX underscore Dbacks on Twitter for everything we're talking about, um, and follow Derek on Twitter as well. Lots of great Dbacks content here at PHNX. So it was fun to be out in the ballpark on a Wednesday afternoon. But let's work, bring work, it back work, to hockey. Alien. Yep, absolutely. And Craig, you mentioned it. Dylan Gunther has been ripping up the WHL playoffs. A goal in every game of the playoffs. 
Yes. All eight games, he has nine goals, 12 points, and count them, 49 shots on goal. I don't even know. They don't track shot, shot attempts that I can find. 49 shots on goal in eight games. That's insane. It is. That is insane. And again, it, it, we go back to when we talk about what the hope is for for this organization, what the hope is for, for the Coyotes fans over the future. Dylan, don't forget this kid. Like he he is a goal scorer. He his shot is legit. Can beat goalies from the top of the circle in. Um, they don't call him Gunner for you know they call him Gunner for a reason. So how does he fit with this year's third overall draft pick? We'll have to wait and see. And the bigger question, Craig, over the next month or two is where the hell is he going to play next year? Yeah, that'll be the big question. Yeah, I'm going to write something on him a little later this month. I may just focus my entire prospect report on him since he may be the only guy playing by by then. So by that time of year, yeah. Yeah, it is fun. We've been talking a lot about the future this week with the draft lottery happening and when the Coyotes were announced to get the third pick. I did think about Dylan Gunther because he was picked ninth overall, was it? Um, yeah. And he and look at the skill. I mean, this is in the, the juniors, so we don't know how it's going to translate to the NHL, but it's exciting and it's exciting to think about all these picks the Coyotes have in the next two drafts and what can become of them. And it's just exciting. So it's fun to be excited about Coyotes hockey, um, but we're not going to talk about Coyotes much today because there's a lot going on in the NHL. We haven't really touched base on the playoffs since when we did our playoff previews last week, and it's been a really exciting first round, really interesting. So let's check in with what's going on in the NHL playoffs, and we'll start with the Western Conference because there's four elimination games tonight. Yeah, two two in each conference. Uh Carolina, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Edmonton, L.A. Petey, you might get your L.A. pick. Yeah, Darnell Nurse out. Oof. I tell you what, and there's some, there's some, some stuff going on in that locker room too. And you, you saw it in, in Connor McDavid's comments yeah. that four goals should be enough to win a playoff game. And I don't know if that's directed as a captain. Is he directing that to the entire team? Is that a direct? Uh, at their goaltending is it a direct uh, directed to their defending is it directed to their coach i'm not sure we directed to the people in the room know who it was to but but he he's basically saying hey we're scoring i'm putting the puck in the net what do you want me to do like we got it we can't give up more than if we score four we should win so i'm, I'm curious to see if that's making that room just a little bit fragile right now and as you mentioned darnell darnell nurse being suspended for game six is is a big deal yeah, this is a big gut check for the Oilers because if they get eliminated again, I mean, big yikes. Yeah, we've talked about this so often. Connor McDavid has not tasted any playoff success. I think they have one series win in his entire tenure in Edmonton. And I know he's still relatively young, but as we know in the NHL playoffs, you don't you only get so many chances, and they they just haven't given him any kind of chance whatsoever. Uh, a lot of dumb penalties by Edmonton too, and that's taken its toll. I I thought they were going to win that game after they came back and forced overtime, and then they give up a goal early in OT, and now they gotta they gotta go win in LA. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of questions to answer in Edmonton. But didn't you think that when we did our playoff preview and of all the series and, and you look through all those teams, everybody's like, well, shit, L.A. shouldn't even be in this thing. Like L.A.'s the one that, God, I don't know about L.A. Like L.A. and L.A. and Nashville were probably, and I know Dallas sneaks in, but you look through their rosters and you go, L.A., really? Like Edmonton should roll this one and Edmonton should, should move on. I think that puts added pressure on that team because this clearly is the weakest division in hockey this year was the Pacific. L.A. sneaks in. 
I know 99 isn't sneaking in, but 99 points. And they snuck in. Edmonton's a higher seed. Edmonton's at home. Edmonton's got all that firepower offensively. And here we are on an elimination game in L.A. I don't know. This is this is the same problems Edmonton has had for year after year after year. And we talk about it. You could play the the show from 10 years ago, although we didn't have a show 10 years ago, but if we did, (laughs) it would be about, they can score, they have offense, but I worry about their defending and and I don't know about their goaltending. It'd be the same exact show. They don't have a hundred percent. There's no depth. There's high end offensive scoring, no depth, no defending, no goaltending. It's 10 years of the same. When you factor in both teams in this series, this is the worst series in the NHL playoffs because neither of these teams is a cup contender. And you could argue, eh, they're, I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do any damage at all in the Eastern Conference. We know that. Edmonton has actually had the better possession numbers in this series. So you would think that they would win. But they again, some of those factors that you just mentioned are, are hurting them. Goaltending has been hurting them for a while. Um, and then dumb penalties. Just stop taking the dumb penalties. You got to get Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the ice with continuity more often. And when you take that many penalties it hurts that continuity. Yeah, and you, the other thing to look at, too, is we talked about the structure of the playoffs within divisions. If they went straight one through eight in the Western Conference, the Edmonton Oilers would be traveling to St. Louis. They'd be the fifth seed traveling. That, can you imagine that series? We, we talk about them Goodbye. struggling against L.A. How, if they had to go to St. Louis, this this isn't even close. So this round is, is their opportunity to get over a team that they, they clearly should beat. You know, L.A. comes in as the six seed. L.A. should be going to Calgary, and I don't know if that's a great matchup for L.A. So you look at these are the two, in my opinion, other than Nashville, I think these are the two weakest teams in this playoffs right now. And I, I don't know, does this give L.A. the confidence? Is, is Jonathan Quick got some jam right now and he can feel he can go into Calgary? I I don't know. Is, and does Calgary get over Dallas? That's not a done deal yet either. Um, one other thing with Edmonton, and I know we're going to talk about coaches later, Jay Woodcroft, I, I don't know if him getting a, a first-round knockout and Edmonton out of the playoffs is good for a Jay Woodcroft future as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Not saying that he won't be, not saying he can't be, but they pulled him in late as a replacement for Tippett, and, and does he need this first-round win, win to continue? I know we'll talk coaches later, but I'm throwing it out there. Mm. Yeah, really interesting to see how this one plays out. It's not looking good for Edmonton. It's not a good situation to be in. Nothing's finished yet um but la has definitely surprised me just because i they've fallen off the radar of being a playoff team for the last couple years but you can't forget that those guys who were part of those cores that won cups are still there so even if they're not going to make it all the way through the mental game of the playoffs i mean you'd have to argue that la has more strength in that part of it than yeah and you can factor that right into the penalties that we just talked about i mean i i if if uh, if Edmonton's not taking stupid penalties, I think Edmonton wins this series. LA had eleven shots on the power play in that last game. Eleven freaking shots on the power play. Stay out of the box. Keep your composure. Stay out of the box. You'll win this game. And the other thing that I think LA is doing that's interesting is is you go to the top scores in the playoffs. You takes you a long time down the list to come up with an LA King. They're 31st in the league in points right now. 31st. There's 30 guys in the playoffs are scoring more points than the best LA King. And what that tells me is they're getting balanced scoring throughout their lineup. And that's where you talked about the, the Edmonton Oilers depth. The Edmonton Oilers don't have it 
LA does. They're spreading these these goals throughout their lineup. You're getting guys from first line to fourth line. Kids are putting in putting in points. So I think that that gives them a slight advantage that they're able to spread their offense among their top four lines, where Edmonton clearly is not being able to do that. And you just take care of that top line in Edmonton, and you have a chance to win. I know we're talking about the series a lot, but what did you guys think of the nurse suspension? Was that the right length? I have to I, be. I didn't watch the play that got him suspended so the I problem with me and if, if i'm the league i want to hear what darnell nurse has to say because to me i can see it from two different sides and i would try to look at it from both sides at first it's a violent hit he uses his head and his helmet as a weapon striking an opposing player's head that's what it looks like at first but then you watch it and he's really trying to i mean he's trying to make a a, a a big hit. There's no question about it, but is he trying to lead with his shoulder and his head actually makes the content first? I think he's just trying to make a forceful hit. I think he is trying to, I think he's trying to, if he says, you know, I'm really trying to get shoulder on shoulder. I'm just, my momentum's carrying me and my head came in first. He's still suspendable. It absolutely has to be suspended. I, I like the one game suspension. I think that suits this play, especially in the playoffs. I think if you strike a player in the jaw with your helmet and you're propelling it as a weapon, I think you need to be suspended whether it was intentional or not. I don't know if it's intentional. I think it was intentional to hit him hard. I think his intention was to to hit him upper body as hard as he could. I'm just not convinced that Darnell Nurse was thinking, hey, I'm going to hit him in the head with my head. Yep. Yeah, we'll, well get to We'll get to another one of those in a minute when we switch to the East. But uh, I, the the series that's the most intriguing to me, I mean, Colorado, we can talk about their sweep. <laughs> we all expected them to sweep Nashville. It's no surprise. Still waiting to see if a Colorado actually has a peer in the Western Conference. Maybe it comes in the next two rounds. But Minnesota is on the brink of elimination. And with all their moves and with, with the progression of this team, I think there were a lot of people out there that thought – not only was Minnesota going to get past this round, I've seen predictions that Minnesota could make it all the way to the cup final. And now they're on the brink of elimination playing back in St. Louis. Talk about hard questions that you're going to face. This is, I, I think I said this at the start of the playoffs when we were previewing, and this is why I took St. Louis. There's always something in the back of my hide, mind with the Minnesota wild that I don't trust them. I don't trust them to do anything in the playoffs. But here they are again. Thanks yeah. I don't know what this one. This I, I liked their moves at the trade deadline. I thought they got tougher. I thought they got they built a team that was able to compete against St. Louis. I think that was the point because they knew that's where they were headed. So they try to get more physicality. The one question, still not convinced that, and we can go back and listen to show one on the playoff preview, is who they picked to start in goal. And and I always thought the is Mark Andre Fleury the easy choice, the right choice. I don't know, but I think now. Now they they to go to Cam Tell, but now in Game Six, kid hasn't played in seven days. I think Mark Andre Fleury would have been better able to come off the bench as a number two based on his experience, his what he's been through. I don't think it would have phased him. I think he could have taken ten days off, and you could throw in Fleury. I don't know if you can say the same about Talbot. Now does it look desperate? And so I'm concerned about that game one. Not saying Talbot would have push the needle and they would have won this series if Talbot's in the net. But, but again, is there, is there one or two of those goals? Does it seem like every game that you, gosh, I, I wish you would have had that one. So I think that's one question I have. And then you, you read a lot of articles, whether it's Twitter or online about the adjustments that, that St. Louis has made. The, the honest truth is St. Louis is defending better. 
They're staying on top of Minnesota's speed, and they're defending the net front better than Minnesota's doing that to St. Louis. I don't think it's about physicality. I don't think it's about battles along the wall. I just think it's about defending. So can Minnesota find a way to defend St. Louis in Game 6 in St. Louis? I, I don't know. I don't know. This. I, I have two different brackets. I had one team winning one bracket, one team um, getting out of this series in one bracket and one in the other. It's so closely matched. Um, I think tonight's going to be a goalie story. And, and and I don't know, have we heard who's starting a goal for Minnesota tonight? Has that been I announced? I can look while you guys are chatting. If it's if it's been announced and they go to Talbot, I wouldn't be surprised to see Talbot be the first star tonight and Minnesota wins and, and sends the game hmm. to game seven. Interesting. Yeah, the series has been really interesting. I agree that the goaltending story has been an interesting one, but also kind of like what I just said about LA and Edmonton, I think you know minnesota this is probably one of the best teams they've had in years um and like you said a lot of people have this team going really far but st louis they're still the people on that team who were part of that stanley cup run in 2019 and i feel like that matters in the playoffs and minnesota doesn't have the playoff experience and the almost the adversity that st louis went through and has gone through um i that doesn't mean that Minnesota can't win the series. And if they do win the series, I could see them, you know, meeting maybe Colorado in the conference final or whatever it is. Um, I don't know how the seeding would work for that, but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, you, and it's kind of surprising. You're right. And you look at experience as a huge thing. And I think that's part of the thing that LA, I know they have very few pieces left from when they were winning. You got Kopitar Brown, you know, Dowdy's probably a voice in the locker room, although he's not on the ice. St. Louis has got a lot of players in this lineup that won a Stanley cup um, versus Minnesota that does not have that same experience. Um, yeah. That makes a big deal. Absolutely. It does. And does it help the head coach versus another head coach? Absolutely. It does. Craig Berube has been, to the finals. I mean, he's been to the Stanley Cup. He's raised the cup as a coach. That makes a difference. I think that gives you a little bit more swagger. I think that gives you confidence. I think it gives you, hey, we're okay. And it, it's a more of a day-to-day where Minnesota's going, oh, I, I think there's a little trepidation, a little bit, hey, we're, we're, we're behind it here. Not saying they can't win. Minnesota's got a really good hockey club. We've talked about it over and over, how, how strong this team is. They can beat the St. Louis Blues. I, I just don't know. Game six, oh, boy. I hate to say it, I'd have to put my money on St. Louis right now, and I, I know Craig's looking at goalies. I don't think it's been announced yet. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere. So, interesting. We'll All right. Yeah. Well, let's move to another series in the West: uh, the Flames and the Stars. And this one has surprised me a little bit too, especially that the first two games that were very low scoring, both shutouts. Um, I know. I think. I just think I expected not Dallas to get run over by any means, but it's just definitely been more competitive of a series than I expected. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, Dallas, I didn't, I, I just didn't have a lot of faith in Dallas. It felt like a team that just limped into the playoffs in a conference where there was something available because it's not a very good conference at the bottom. Um, but they also have a lot of playoff experience. They can they can play a physical game. They're they're a tough team. They're a tough team to play against, and I think that's benefited them. Calgary also plays more of a tight checking, low scoring game, so maybe maybe that factors into this. But I just I just thought the last game was a sort of a the death knell for the Stars, and and it's good to see Johnny Gaudreau's t- taken some criticism in this series because he hadn't scored a goal, but the guy's still averaging a point per game in this series. He's still showing up, I think, and. 
I, I think this is an eventuality. Calgary's going to win this series. One of the things, a couple of things to look at right now, if you rank the teams on their shots for per game, Dallas is 16th. They're dead last of all playoff teams in their shots on goal per game. That doesn't bode well when you're playing Markstrom, who's a Vesna finalist. I, I, I think ultimately Calgary is going to start scoring. And I think that's been the problem. Andrew's been able to stop. Calgary is averaging 36 shots a game to Dallas is 25. I mean, just on paper that, that can't, go on forever that's that's not a sustainable stat the other stat that i think is interesting is calgary being held to 10 percent on their power play once those numbers adjust to what should be normally higher i i I think calgary is able to get over in in this series i don't think these numbers are sustainable for dallas and i think ultimately calgary does win the series and i do think they win it in game six in dallas yeah it's you can see those sorts of numbers over short periods of time we've seen this in the playoffs in the past but this is the lowest scoring series in the playoffs uh Calgary and Dallas are the two lowest scoring teams in the playoffs, averaging two goals per game and 1.6 goals per game so far in this series. So it's just been that sort of series. And I think Daryl Sutter's comfortable coaching in a series just like this. Yeah, I think this is actually a good test for this team. I think this is good that they've had this adversity now. I think that, you know, if they can get over the hump against Dallas, I think this will be a good learning experience for some of these players that they've hit now. I know it's not a huge test of adversity, but it's some, it's some that they've had to overcome and battle through and battle against because clearly this is going to get tougher as the road continues. Although Calgary's next opponent, if they are able to get by Dallas is going to be Edmonton or LA. And I, I have a feeling that series may not be as tight as this one is with Dallas. Um, but I think you're right. I think the coaches look at this and go, okay, we're learning from this. We're gaining from this. This is going to be a good test for our group. And I think that makes us tougher. Now, does that bode well for them when you look at Colorado, who's had four wins with relative ease and they haven't really been tested or challenged yet? And now they're sitting at home. I, and, and by the way, Colorado can't practice every day. You can't. You can't practice five days straight. You just mentally, that's just exhausting. So, where does Colorado start on game one, round two against Minnesota or St. Louis? That's going to be a tough game for this, the Colorado Avalanche. I know it's going to be a home game for Colorado, but this rest, you talk about they haven't been tested, they haven't had any difficult games, and now they're resting versus Minnesota, St. Louis, who are having tough games and playing hard. And that's kind of the same thing you're seeing with Calgary. Now they've been tested. So, I think this is great for Calgary as they move forward. One last question about the West. If the Arizona Coyotes had not overcome a four-goal deficit and won their final game at Healer River Arena against Nashville, therefore switching the seeds in the Western Conference, and Nashville played Calgary and Dallas played Colorado, does Colorado sweep Dallas and does Nashville win a game against Calgary? Wow. I, I don't think – I think the outcome is actually easier for Calgary. I, I think it's easier, be, and it, I'll just say it's because of UC Saros. Without UC Saros in the lineup and the amount of shots that Calgary is putting on, like I said, they're fourth in the league now with over 36 shots on goal. Uh, I think that does not bode well for the Nashville Predators against Calgary. Plus, with the style of play Calgary has a little bit heavier and stronger, I, I think this series would have been as bad as it was against Colorado. Now, Dallas? Dallas would have been interesting against Colorado. Colorado still wins the series, but, but the way Dallas's goaltending is playing right now, the way they're defending right now, and the way they're killing penalties right now might have made it a little more interesting. Maybe it's a five game. <laughs> maybe maybe they're able to get one game off this juggernaut that is the Avalanche. Um, but Colorado still wins the series. Craig, any thoughts? Nope. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I mean, maybe Dallas gets a game because Dallas is a little battle-tested. But beyond that, I, I don't think... Can we mark the time code on that? What's that? Craig Craig was lost for words. Can we mark that? <laughs> I was looking code? at numbers. I was preparing for uh, the Eastern Conference discussion. <laughs> Always looking ahead. You're that kid in class cheating, looking ahead in the next chapter. <laughs> All right. To go. That's, well, that's... let's move to the East. And it's funny because yesterday, Craig texted us and said the the Rangers are done. And then all of a sudden my phone's blowing up. I'm getting a thousand NHL goal scoring notifications. I was driving home from work. I had no idea what was going on. And that game last night between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers was a very, very crazy game in the end. But Craig is still of the belief that the Rangers are who we thought they were. Yeah, I think they're a, a fake. I really do, and I, I keep looking at their possession <laughs> stats. Their 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 possession stats are garbage, and that that usually de- determines these things. I know people hate that, but like if you if you look at historically what happens, the Rangers just aren't a very good team. They're not a very good team, and and l- listen, losing Sidney Crosby has an impact on your team. If Sid stays in that game, who knows what happens in the third period if if Pittsburgh closes them out. Um, so that's that's obviously going to be a big storyline whether Sidney Crosby can play or not. But I just I, I've watched this entire series. Pittsburgh's dominated possession. They've been the better team. I still think they're going to win the series. But if Sid's out, that could change things. You you can't lose you know an MVP candidate and not have it impact you. Okay, now I, I'm not of the belief. And then when you see the tweet coming from the the PHNX beat account saying the Rangers are frauds, it's not coming from me because I think the Rangers are a better team than Craig does. I'll say that. One of the biggest issues for this playoff series clearly has been the play of Igor Shosturkin or the lack of MVT, MVP type play from Igor Shosturkin. There's no question about it. And we talk about the defending. The Rangers have been horrifically bad at defending they've given up nearly 47 shots per game and i know that's a little bit skewed because of the 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 several overtime game where they got nearly 79 shots i get that but their inability to stop pittsburgh one off the rush through the neutral zone has been horrible they they have not been above speed they've they've attacked the puck too too aggressively through the blue lines giving pittsburgh odd man rushes literally every game conversely pittsburgh's been able to stand up in the neutral zone, Rangers can't get their speed going. There's no speed from the Rangers of Benajad, Panarin. Um, we talk about Kreider having speed to the outside. Haven't seen it at all, and that's through five games. The X factor right now is Sidney Crosby. And you said that, but you look at Gensel's leading the all of the playoffs and goals. Gensel's been unbelievable at, a, at getting around the blue paint and the ability to score. But watch who gives him the puck. In almost every circumstance, the num- the first assist is Crosby. If it's not the first assist, it's the second. Without Crosby, their offense sputters just a little bit. And is that enough to change momentum? Because not only does Crosby possess the puck extremely well when he's on the ice, and their possession numbers are ridiculous when he's on the ice, that line defends extremely well. For a top mm-hmm. line to defend as well as, as the Sidney Crosby line defends gives them a clear edge. When he's not on the ice, that's a different team. When he left the game yesterday, the score was 2 nothing Pittsburgh. Does it make a difference? Absolutely. And the other thing it does, it puts doubt in their mind. And this is a mind game. And, it, and the Rangers can get that little mental advantage going, hey, we won. We came back. Not sure if Sydney's going to play. That makes us a little bit better. And is that enough to push the needle? I was... Uh, I- 
talking to Luke Lipinski, he's a, a huge Penguins fan. And historically, when Sid goes out of the lineup, Gino rises to the occasion. And that if if that's the case, he may have to do that again in the short term. But you can't, again, you can't lose Crosby. I'm glad you mentioned his defense because it's such an underrated part of his game. He is truly one of the better defensive forwards in the game. And he de- deserves recognition for that. But flipping back to my, it, it's not hatred of the Rangers. I just don't think that this team is that good. And I think that it, while they're 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 constructed a little bit differently with the skill that they have with Zibanejad and Panarin, I still see the same problem with this Ranger team that I saw with the one that made those deep runs in the playoffs uh, several years ago in the mid-2010s. They're not good enough up the middle to be a contender. They don't have those players up the middle to ever win a cup. I'm and that team really relied on their goaltender too. I mean, yeah. Lundqvist was was what got them over the hump in those big games when they were being outshot badly. It really, really came down to gold, and he lifted them through some of those series for sure. Yep. Um, we'll see. I, I still think Pittsburgh has been the better team through five games, and, and you have to give Pittsburgh the nod going back home. Yeah, I think the home thing is is a huge advantage too for them. And one other factor, Leo. Is Louis Domingue is still in that? Yeah, what the heck? Let's not forget Louis Domingue. And I've seen personally in the building, I've seen Louis single-handedly lose hockey games. It can happen. Anaheim They're season. just not testing them. They're you just not Anaheim testing them. Oh, my God. Getting- Anaheim season. Game one. Game one. They have a two-goal lead in the third period. What the hell? That was the 11-game losing streak started. Game one could have been over. Wouldn't have been a thing. Rick Dawkins first in, in Arizona. Yep. And they had, I, I think it was a 4-1 lead at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been in the second. might have been a, yeah. a 4-1 lead. But they lost the game 5-4. And that, the game-winning goal, oof. And game he's, he's a guy, I, I'm, I'll be as honest as I can be here. When they went to Louis Domingue in game one, you go, oh, shit, this series is over. And and I will give it credit where credit is due. Louis has been strong. He has been, he has been as good as he needed to be with the lack of pressure by the Rangers. I don't think the Rangers have given their a offensive game yet. And he has made big saves at the right time. And he has literally deserved to get those wins. So good on Louie. I think he's going out with an even keel veteran attitude. He's being calm in the net. And I think it gives the players in front of him a little more security. Those weak goals aren't getting in against Louie. Now, having said that to give up three in the third for a comeback, not ideal that the Fox wrist shot goes over his head. The, the Truba one slides underneath his pad. Eh. Like it just that 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 is could be the TSN turning point. Shesterkin is still playing. It's just Sturkin versus Domingue. Or Tristan Jari, who's making significant progress and was at the optional skate yesterday. Yeah, is he game seven? Is that game seven? Is it Tristan Jari comes in for game seven and that is that so a guy in that situation that hasn't played, or would you rather have him I don't know what they do? Like if, if <laughs> I don't know. Well, if there is a game seven, I don't he clearly going to play game six. He's, he's an optional skate. He's skating and getting shots. He won't play tomorrow. So that's out. But if they have to go to game seven, that means they lost game six. And that means Louis lost a game. And that would be two games in a row for Louis. So do they take a chance with Jari? It'll be interesting. Yep. Stay tuned, as they say. Did you pick Pittsburgh, by the way, to win this, Craig? I did. Yeah, I think I picked the Rangers. I, we both picked the Rangers, but I did that because I was emotionally... It was like an emotional bet because if the if the Rangers lost, I'd be happy because I like the Penguins. And another team I did that with was the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Who? they're another team that could close out their series tonight, which is really exciting. And I know I always push against being a Maple Leafs fan, but 
still in my blood. So can can they can Toronto do this? Or is this series going to game seven? I'm inclined to believe it's going to seven games, which is what I felt all along. I think it is too. Uh, but I I this is gonna sound like Coyotes fans hate it when I say this, but I want Toronto to win this series, even though I picked the Bolts to win this series. I just I think it's so good for hockey when the Maple Leafs are exciting. It it helps the entire product. And this is an exciting team to watch. This is the kind of hockey that I want to watch. And I think they've added enough toughness and grit to the lineup where you can't really make that argument. I mean, yeah, you can poke some holes in Toronto's roster, but I think they're a complete enough team now where they can make this run and they have the goaltending now to make a run. If you're going to launch a deep playoff run, what better way than to do it against the two-time defending cup champs? See, what I keep waiting for, I keep waiting for Tampa to be Tampa. Yeah. And I keep waiting. Okay, it'll be next game. They're going to wake It's going to be Tampa next game. Their backs against the wall, it's going to be the next game. Tampa's going to be Tampa again. From the goaltender on out, they are going to be Tampa. And to this point, it just hasn't happened. So here's my take. Tampa's going home. They're going to play in game six in Tampa and they lose. Mm, Toronto is going to win game six on the road. And I'll tell you why Tampa's now at home. They've played more hockey than any team over the last two seasons. They've played well into the playoffs. Clearly we've talked about how many games and in the bubble and all of those things. They played so much hockey. It's hard to be hungry when you're full. And most of those guys have rings on their fingers and they've put a couple over the head. And it's around, hard to be hungry when you're full. I love it. We got to clip hard that. Hard to be hungry when you're full. And they got the jet skis out. And here's the problem. <laughs> They're at home. Jet skis. And what happens when you're at home, and, and it's it's just a little bit of mental warfare. I'm at home. Like, I'm here right now. I'm at home. If we lose tonight, I drive my car, and I'm at home. Like, in my house, I'm at home. I can have a bottle of wine. I can relax. Season's over, and I'm at home. If we win... I got to pack my suits. I got to go get to the airport. I got to fly all the way. I got to go through customs again. I got to get to Toronto again. I'm gosh, you know what? And in that game and that atmosphere in game seven in Toronto, the ACC or whatever it's called now, Scotiabank. I don't know. And, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's cognizant. I don't think they're thinking that, you know, I don't think they're going, Oh, I can go home after the end. I don't, I don't mean that. I don't want people to say, Oh, they're giving up. They're not. It's not conscious. It's subconscious. And and it's you don't that's why I knew Nashville was gonna lose game four. There was no way they were gonna battle back, even though the score on that game was close. I knew Nashville was gonna lose. They're not gonna fly back to Colorado to get their ass kicked for game five. Why why do that? Why extend your season two or three more days when you're already home? And I'm afraid that's what's gonna happen to Tampa. And I'm afraid that this series, because I picked Tampa to go quite far in this in, in this playoffs, I'm afraid this is the one that they're just going, okay, I'm tired. I'm tired. This has been a lot of hockey. I'm tired. It's their turn. And I, again, reiterate and hammer this point home. That is not a conscious choice. That is not going to be, hey, let's roll. This team is going to play their asses off. They're going to play hard. This is a proud, good hockey team coached by a very good coach with a very good goaltender behind him. I just think this is it. I'll take Toronto in this one. Lee, you got some? I got one more thing to add, but go ahead. No, you can go, Craig. So here's something that's not being talked about. Andre Vasilevsky is considered one of the best goalies in the world, maybe one of the one, maybe the best goalie in the world. Statistically, he's been the worst goaltender in the playoffs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's 
you can't have that. If that's if, a difference maker for yeah. sure. 880 save percentage, 365 goals against average. Those are the team stats, right? Goal saved above average. He's dead last. Minus wow. 4.62 in the NHL right wow. now. Wow. Yes. That's a surprising stat. And I know he had that one good period in the previous game where it was like, wow, Toronto's all over him. And he did. But overall in this series, he hasn't been a difference maker. And more to your point, Petey, is Andre Vasilevsky tired? Because he is one of those old school goalies who still plays a ton of games and a ton of minutes. Is he worn out from the two cup runs, the deep runs, just doesn't get a lot of rest? Yeah, I think you may be right. I think in for Toronto fans, we'll see. And tomorrow we'll probably be wrong again, especially when I get <laughs> on my soapbox. Um, but I think Toronto fans will be rejoicing. Well, I hope you're right, PD. And another team that's looking to close it out tonight is Carolina against Boston. And I picked Boston in the series, but I do not like Boston just in general. So that was another emotional thing. Like I'd be happy if Carolina won and I was wrong. Uh, thoughts on, on this one. This series hasn't surprised me at all in terms of how close it's been. I've been impressed with Carolina, though. I, I it, They've sort of shown enough to me that they're ready to move on past Boston. I don't know if it'll happen at TD Garden. It may have to go seven games, but they, the Bruins haven't looked very good in Carolina. <laughs> Those have been uh, pretty lopsided games. Um, I don't know if it's going to end tonight, but I think my pick on Boston is going to be wrong in this series. I think Carolina is probably going to advance in this series. Yeah, I, I had Boston in this one as well, and – First, they started with with Allmark and Goal, who had been playing hot down the the stretch in the last few games of the season for Boston. Unfortunately, he was not able to carry that momentum into the playoffs, and they've they're to Swayman now, who's been solid. I mean, Swayman's been good, but but they were hoping not to have a goalie controversy here. And and conversely, you go to to Carolina with Anderson out, and you go to to Anti Ranta. And you know, Ante can be a serviceable backup. We've seen it here. And and he gets hurt and you go, oh shit, this one's over. Yeah. And, and I really thought Boston's offense was going to take over, but Ante's back off the, the medical tent quickly and he's back in the game and he's playing well. Carolina just has, the, their depth right now has been able to take over. And, and Boston's game, Boston wins games along the walls. If they can create turnovers on the forecheck, and get on the forecheck hard that they're a stronger team along the wall than Carolina. If the puck's in the middle of the ice, Carolina's faster, quicker, can get up the ice better. Their defensemen are better at attacking the rush and getting four-man rushes. You can see with Tony D'Angelo, if Boston can make this a game that's along the walls, if they can make this a battle and a 50-50 tough game along the walls, it gives them a better chance. But I too think that this one is going to go to Carolina. Moratorium on mentions of Tony D'Angelo on this show. I know. Sorry, but he is leading the team in points right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll see what happens with that one. And the last series in the East, the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. And this one, talk about series that surprised me, but also it, it gives a lot of Tampa before they went on their cup runs, although they, you know, Florida's hanging in and dominant in a lot of ways. But this hasn't been that easy series that a lot of people thought this would be. Um, they've they've come down from deficits. They lost game one. Like this series, I has thrown me on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's funny how how this series has progressed. And I tell you what, it, one of the the moments, and for those that have watched TNT and watched Rick talk it and Paul Bissonnette, are you what Garnet Hathaway's attempt at the net on the empty net that ends up missing, causing an icing, and Florida scores on the next play and 
wins that game um, in overtime. I I don't know. That series was three inches away from being over. If Garnet Hathaway hits the net there, series is over and the Capitals are moving on. That one missed shot could define this series because Florida's got more firepower. Florida has more offensive firepower, arguably, than any team in the league, and I'll even say that against Colorado. They are a juggernaut offensively. They just haven't been able to get that going in this series. And you're just, again, it's kind of like what I said about Tampa. You're waiting for Tampa to be Tampa. I'm waiting for Florida to be Florida. And I think that's finally happened in this series. I think yesterday when they were down and backs against the wall, all of a sudden that offense woke up. And you're talking about for Hagee and Huberto. I mean, that team is so offensively threatening. Once they wake up, look out. And I think this one is going to turn in their favor. And I still think Florida is going to get over and win this series. It's just taken them a long time to get their offense sparked. And maybe that's okay for a team that hasn't been here and doesn't know what playoff hockey is like. But man, what a gut check yesterday to come back from down 3-0. I thought when it went 3-0, I was like, wow, Washington could pull off a major upset. But then Florida just came roaring back. And you look at, you look at the, again, I know I keep citing this, but having the puck matters and Florida had the damn puck over the second half of that game a lot. And by the way, Carter Verhage, I, I think he's still the co-playoff leader in points. I don't, I don't know who saw that coming, but they've got, like you said, Petey, so much firepower on this team. It looked like they woke up yesterday with five unanswered goals. Um, I think they're moving on in the series now too. I think they've, I think they figured it out. Which, which is, which leads to the matchup that I I'm in. I'm in. That leads to a Florida-Toronto matchup. Yes, yes please. How Let's about see that. Toronto being in the Eastern Conference and having to travel to Florida two series in a row? I know. That's awesome uh. for them. We're not going to New York and taking a bus to Buffalo or something. Well, by the way, Buffalo isn't in the playoffs yet. But um, having to go to Also, F- that's Florida. a long bus ride, by the way. I will say this for your DraftKings sportsbook read, Leah. Um, Florida versus Toronto. Take the over. On that, <laughs> I feel every game just before you even start, just take the over because that's where it's headed. That is a series that's going to be offensively just exciting to watch. So let's hope that's what what the hockey gods give us. Um, a little Toronto, Florida. I'm in. Well, speaking of the DraftKings Sportsbook app, I have it open right now, and I'm looking at all of tonight's games. So Boston is favored, Tampa's favored. Minnesota and St. Louis, both minus odds on the money line. Minnesota's minus 115. St. Louis is minus 105. So very, very close there. Edmonton, even though they're on the road, are actually favored minus 140. Wow. So interesting things to keep your eye on um, on DraftKings. We'll see how those evolve as the day goes on. But that's really, what's really cool about DraftKings is everything's super up to date. If there's an injury announcement or something, they – immediately adjust the line so it's all happening in real time um, so make sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app it makes betting on the NHL or makes watching the NHL playoffs so much more fun like I said it made the baseball game fun and the NBA playoffs are also happening right now the Suns also are in a closeout situation tonight so we'll hope they get it done and if you want to bet on the suns or any of the teams in the nhl tonight you can do so on the DraftKings sportsbook app and this week new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get a hundred and fifty dollars 
in free bets. If they do, you can also turn a small bet into a big payday with same game parlays. And right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit, which is a great deal. So it's, you know, if you want to parlay some minus odds together more things that are more likely you can actually get yourself a bigger payout by parlaying them together so try that out use the promo code phnx when you sign up at five dollars on any nba team to win their game get 150 dollars in free bets if they do that's 21 and over arizona only gambling problem call 1-800 next step new customers only minimum five dollar deposit eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for more details. All right, our final topic in the NHL, and this one we've been saving because so much has been going on, and we said we'll just talk about it all on Thursday, the coaching carousel. (laughs) It is moving along, (laughs) and it started, for me, the, the headline of the coaching news is the Barry Trotz firing, which to me came as a huge surprise given the fact that, first of all, he's a Stanley Cup winning coach, he's a successful coach. The Islanders have had success under Barry Trotz, and this one year, they had an off year. It doesn't seem like enough to get him fired, and also the way that it all happened was bizarre, with none of the players being really involved. Like, it was bizarre. Well, that's interesting, because I I read Kevin Kurz's piece in The Athletic on on this, and while Lou Lamorello said, you know, he had that bizarre quote where when asked if he had consulted with any of the players, no, I, I, I would never think of doing that as a GM. Well, I don't know if that's true because the firing came after all the exit meetings with the players. So you would think that he heard something from the players that might have led to this decision. I still don't know if it's warranted. Whenever a coach gets fired, you hear reasons. Sometimes they're just excuses for you know, to justify the the decision. And, and you look at some of the young players and you could say, well, they didn't develop enough under Barry Trotz. I actually heard it suggested out there that Barry Trotz wears out his welcome in places after a while. And I just laughed out loud when I read that because that's like one of the worst takes I've ever read. There's not a better liked guy. He's incredible when you do interviews with him. He's just a warm, uh, intelligent, analytical guy. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. And I also don't get it from Lou Lamorello's standpoint. When you look at what this guy has done with a roster, that's not an elite roster. This, this, this roster does not have superstars on it. And he made them a playoff team, a deep run playoff team. They start the season with 13 road games. They have to adjust to a new arena. They get hammered by COVID in the season. And you're going to fire the guy after this season. That's, that's just crazy to me. I don't care what the, uh, what the excuses were at this point, I just don't see this as being justified. I think it's nuts, and this guy is going to get a job really quickly. Yeah, I, I, this is tough because Lou Lamarillo is anyone involved or near or around the NHL. He runs the show. Like he, he, wherever he is, it, Lou's hands are all over literally everything. And he runs it a very tight ship, a very strict ship, and it's run one particular way. So do I think that this is his decision? 100% I do. Does he take things he hears and sees and what into a, to make his decision? I'm sure he does because that's only human nature and natural. But this is a Lou Lamarillo decision, 100%. I don't know this to be fact. I am not 
quoting this. I'm not reporting this. Something else happened. There, there is something between these two men, between Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz, where they did not see eye to eye on something going forward with the future of this organization. Because as you said, Craig, everyone that I've ever talked to that has worked for, been around, played for Barry Trotz loves him. And I, I have not heard that, oh, he, you know, he's not a player's coach. He's not. No, it's the opposite. Everybody loves playing for the guy. He motivates you. He's got teams over the hump that probably didn't deserve to get over the hump. This Islander team has had so many things against it for this season. He's done a masterful job in the island, and he can and will coach wherever the hell he wants to, to the point of there may be a team that removes their coach because he's available. And that's how well sought after he is. The question will be, does he want to? Oh, does he think, want to do this anymore? I think he wants to coach again. And and yeah, we can talk about where he might end up. Speaking of a, a coach that might get removed to put him in place, what happens in Vegas? I wonder about that one first and foremost. But with this situation, with, with Barry Trotz being gone now, you got to believe that the Islanders are going to be looking at a veteran coach. I don't see Lou Lamorello going out and saying, yeah, let's get a young up-and-comer. That's, that doesn't work with his group. That's not Lou Lamarillo's profile. So I wonder, is he looking at a like a, a real veteran coach? And and two names come to mind. One will like force people to shudder if he goes after Mike Babcock and brings him back into the game because I think Mike Babcock's style of coaching is dead. He no longer belongs in this game. He does not he does not connect with today's player. I think that would be a mistake. But Lou is what. 80 years old now, he may be a little bit out of touch with those sorts of things. The other guy that's out there, and it'll make people shudder for a different reason, but he's an incredibly successful coach. What if you go after Joel Quenville? Yeah, that was the first name that popped into mind for me when you said experienced coach. Yeah, that one's interesting because for, as you said, Craig, other reasons and and did Lou Lamarillo take those reasons into account or does he say hey this is about winning hockey games this is about the -hmm. best coach for this team at this time and has Quinville been away from the game long enough that some of those scars have healed or some of the the things have moved on and been able to say okay Quinville wasn't part of the problem in Chicago he was just there I I don't know the answer to those questions I do believe you're right I, I can't imagine him going to an inexperienced young coach. I just, I don't see that being the answer in the Island, but as everything else that I say on this show, I'm probably wrong on this too. Um, I'm just surprised that happened. I I am thoroughly surprised with one more year left on Trotz's contract at 4 million bucks a year. Trotz can sit at home and wait for the perfect job, which by the way, he should, he shouldn't go into a team the first team that asks him that doesn't fit what he wants. And there are plenty of teams out there looking for coaches that are not ready to win. And they don't have the right mix of players and they don't have the right mix of future prospects and draft picks. He should not go there. And Vegas, you brought up is interesting because they do have a lot of good pieces. And do they make a change at the coaching position this summer? I don't know. TBD. We'll see. But if they do, that's an unbelievably interesting pick for, for trots. I, I think the Vegas golden Knights under Barry trots. Yeah, I see that. I, I do. And I think that if, if they decide to make a, a change with Pete DeBoer, who's clearly got difficulties with the starting goalies, a relationship that's going to have to be mended with Robin Lehner, um, with an owner that desperately wants to win right now. Yeah. I, I don't think that's an impossible change. You know, talk about a career with lack of long-term job security. I have the list of 
active NHL coaches up. And John Cooper is the longest tenured active coach in the NHL right now. Um, He became coach in 2013. After that, Mike Sullivan is the next one. But besides that, then it's the earliest ones. You see 2017, 18, but a lot of these are 2021, 2020, 2022. It's actually unbelievable to think about. And I'm looking at our show rundown and we have this whole list. Obviously, right now we know the Islanders and Detroit and Philadelphia. Those are three guaranteed coaching openings. But this list, you talked about Vegas. Does something happen there? You talk about Chicago and Edmonton and Winnipeg, where they're all – well, Winnipeg, I think they already said that none of their coaches are um, coming back. I don't know if I made that up. But a lot of interim coaches, including in Montreal, you got coaches on expiring contracts who might be retiring. It's just – Like this summer is going to be insane with the coaching movement. And I wonder of this list, like it's, I could make the argument that every single one of these, well, I don't know. I feel better about Marty St. Louis staying in Montreal, um, looking at this list, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And is that part of that because of the the parody or the expected parody in this league that we go, okay, we got to win now and everybody's in the win now mode or, or it's their voice. They need a new voice. They need to hear somebody different. That's, that's what you hear often with these coaches too. But I I don't know. I I think you go back to just before the pandemic and it was just the opposite. People are holding on to coaches forever. Like Blaschel and Colleton, we look at Chicago and Detroit, their records were horrific and yet year after year, they were back. And so I, I don't know if it's just this shift in culture or paradigm or mindset that it's the coach, it's the coach, it's the coach. And, and I think you're starting to see coaches make less money. You, you saw the Mike Babcock at $5 million. That's starting to tail back a little bit and come back to earth. Um, I don't know if they're starting to think that that's just interchangeable. Well, let's change the coach. Let's change the coach. Let's change the coach. Yeah. And it's I, I agree with you, PD, on the, like, like the first one is the reason it's, it's, unrealistic expectations that you can turn this around quickly and win now. And the second one that you mentioned, that's the excuse. Well, we needed a new voice. I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's the inmates running the asylum. At some point you have to give your coach a vote of confidence and some longevity, some leash to establish a culture and try and, you know, do what, what you want. You can, you can certainly evaluate that guy's performance and say, okay, he's failing in these areas. You have those talks. You want, you wonder if you can fix it and then you make your decision whether you want to move on. But I think in a lot of these cases, it's just unrealistic expectations of what you think your team can do. And, and with the Islanders, I think they're the perfect example. You may, Lula Amarello may be thinking, oh, he took them as far as they can go. And look at the flip side of that. Yeah, this team may not be able to go any further than Barry Trotz took them because they lack superstars. The Islanders' deep playoff runs were a marvel to watch because I think he choked literally every bit of potential out of that roster. Yep. Stay tuned because we're going to have to talk about a lot of names as we go forward and who fills those (laughs) positions. And one of them is former... Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett. Does his name continue to, yep. to get on these lists behind Barry Trotz? And and or is he now just a TV personality? <laughs> but also Stay you tuned. look at these lists of coaches too, oh, like all of these former NHL coaches, they're available. But then you look at what Montreal did with St. Louis and and even what the Coyotes did with Tourney. And it's like, and it's is the is it time for a new wave of coaches? And it's not just gonna be the mix of NHL coaches again and again and again is it you know is it time for some maybe young coaches as the game changes and as you know the culture of hockey shifts 
is are we going to see some new faces? So I can see that happening as well. So we'll, we'll continue to keep tabs on this topic um, and we'll continue to go around the NHL weekly. It's fun for us. And also, you know, the Coyotes, it's <laughs> we're going to keep talking about prospects. We talked to Corey Pronman yesterday. If you missed it, listen to that one. Great insight on some names. We want it to be so going into July 7th, Coyotes fans know the names of every single available prospect in the first round. Um, and we will do our best to get you there and you can stay up to date also on Coyotes News. Craig writes awesome stories at gophnx.com. So if you're not a member, become a member today. You can get a shirt from the locker when you sign up for an annual membership. You can get your first month just 50 cents if you want to do month to month. And also I want to plug, and we talked about this yesterday, the story, which is the newest podcast at PHNX. Um, Kirsten Soussel, who's an unbelievable storyteller, has her new podcast, The Story. And the first story is the story of the Arizona Coyotes coming to Arizona, how they ended up in Glendale. And it's a really, really deep dive. She talks to some amazing sources and Craig. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) Craig said I need to roast him more, so I'm trying. Yes, Um, But and you hear the voices like it's an audio story. You hear the voices of some Coyotes, ex-Coyotes players, ex-coaches, people that you'll be surprised to hear from. It's really, really phenomenal. The first episode dropped yesterday. So subscribe to the story wherever you get your podcasts. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And Tristan put a lot of work into it. So any uh, final notes from us today here? No, just letting people know we'll we'll get to the awards at some point. Probably the next time we go around the NHL, yes. uh, Vesna, Calder, Norris, and Hart have all been announced. I don't think there are any surprises. We'll we'll talk about those down the road. Yep, definitely. And tomorrow we'll be back live at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe there so you never miss a live show. Follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes and like and subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot and we really appreciate it. And we'll have to, uh, when the first round ends, we'll have to take a look at the Stanley Cup bracket pool and see who is going to be leading after this first round. I don't think it'll be me. I'm just going to go off on a limb and say that, (laughs) but it's been fun. So thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. and have a great rest of your Thursday.